Celeste answered on the third ring. Yes, who is this that is calling? Her bum phrasing a giveaway that she'd been speaking checked to Stefan. It's me. I just wanted to let you know that I'll be a few more hours. The blonde is making demands, Herr Leutnant. There's no blonde, Celeste. You know there's no blonde. And you know I always sleep at the hall after the New Year's. How do you say in English? Rotkopf? Redhead? Kleiner Rotkopf, scheiße Stupper. Speak English, goddammit. Don't pull this with me. Celeste laughed. The stage chortles that cut through her foreign language routine and always made him crazy. Put my son on, goddammit. Silence. Then Celeste heisted a Considine's standard punchline. He's not your son, Malcolm. His father was Jan Hastika, and Stefan knows it. You're my benefactor and my husband, and the boy is eleven and must know that his heritage is not Americanish police talk and baseball and put my son on, goddamn you. Celeste laughed softly. Mal knew that she was acknowledging match point, him using his cop voice. The line went silent. In the background, he could hear Celeste cooing Stefan out of sleep, sing-song words in Czech. Then the boy was there, smack in the middle of them. Dad? Malcolm? Yeah. Happy New Year. We saw the fireworks. We went on the roof and held um um um. You held umbrellas? Yes. We saw the city hall light up. Then the fireworks went. Then they fissured? Mal said they fizzled Stefan. F-I-Z-Z-L-E-D. A fissure is a kind of a hole in the ground. Stefan tried the new word. F-I-S-U-R-E? Two S's. We'll have a lesson when I get home. Maybe take a drive by Westlake Park and feed the ducks. Did you see the fireworks? Did you look out the window to see? He had been parrying Penny Discant's offer of a cloakroom quickie then, breasts and legs grinding him, wishing he could do it. Yeah, it was pretty. Son, I have to go now. Work. You go back to sleep, so you'll be sharp for our lesson. Yes. Do you want to speak to Muti? No. Goodbye, Stefan. Goodbye, d Dad. Mal put down the phone. His hands were shaken, and his eyes held a film of tears. Downtown L.A. was shut down tight, like it was sleeping off a drunk. The only citizens in view were winos lining up for donuts and coffee outside the Union Rescue Mission. Cars were erratically parked, snouts to smashed fenders, in front of the hot sheet hotels on South Main. Sodden confetti hung out of windows and littered the sidewalk, and the sun that was looming above the eastern basin had the feel of heat, steam, and bad hangovers. Mal drove to the Pacific dining car, wishing the first day of the new decade an early death. The restaurant was packed with camera-toting tourists wolfing the Rose Bowl special. Hangtown fry, flapjacks, Bloody Marys, and coffee— the head waiter told Mal that Mr. Lowe and another gentleman were waiting for him in the Gold Rush room, a private nook favored by the downtown legal crowd. Mal walked back and rapped on the door. It was opened a split second later, and the other gentleman stood there beaming.
Knock, knock, who's there? Dudley Smith, so reds beware. <laughs> Please come in, Lieutenant. This is an auspicious assemblage of police brain power, and we should mark the occasion with proper amenities. Mal shook the man's hand, recognizing his name, his style, his often imitated tenor brogue. Lieutenant Dudley Smith, LAPD homicide. Tall, beefside, broad, and red-faced. Dublin-born, L.A.-raised, Jesuit college-trained. Priority case hatchet man for every L.A. chief of police dating back to strong-arm Dick Steckle. Killed seven men in the line of duty. Wore custom-made club-figured ties. Sevens, handcuff ratchets, and L.A.P.D. shields stitched in concentric circles. Rumored to carry an Army forty-five loaded with garlic-coated dum-dums and a spring-loaded toad-stabber. Lieutenant, a pleasure. Con